Welcome to Movie and a Beer, everyone. This is Dan bringing us in. And on this wonderful Asian-inspired episode, uh, we have our three awesome, amazing co-hosts and friends joining us for the movie Akira. Now, Oh, you gave it away, Dan. I gave it away. You gave it you away. Guys, you guys are going to be very special, yeah. special, special expertise. Yeah. I mean, my expertise was all going to be like, I'm your corporate logo on a motorcycle expertise. And like our viewers, our listeners, we don't have viewers. No. Our listeners are all going to be like, oh, what could he be talking about? What movie is going to have corporate logos on a motorcycle? Is, is he is he like talking about Mad Max? Product placement. There's a, there's a product placement in Mad Max. Oh, oh, do you it, remember this though? Do our listeners all remember this? What I other? mean, I watch Mad Max a lot. I know what what's on the, and what well, isn't on there because I'm the Mad Max expert, Blake. <laughs> and, and I'm the psychic scarring of a pet nuclear past expert. There Ooh. you go. And I, I would say that I, I do know a few facts about this movie and how it called out a bunch of things that did happen in Tokyo later on because this came out in like 1988. So anyways, we're uh, glad you could join us today. Uh, we had a couple of really interesting imported beers with this. Both were selected based on the can art, not necessarily the style, but we had a, oh. a red ale called Ichigo and another one uh, Neon City is a pale ale that had a bunch of additional things in it that make it taste kind of like tea. So, oh yeah, this is some, the tea one. The, yeah, it's like tea almost. So we we've got a couple of cool things to talk about later mm. on about the beers. But first off, Akira Tetsuo. Uh, yes, there's a lot of yelling in it. There's a lot yeah. of yelling of names in it's it. It's a and, groundbreaking animation film. Yes, yeah. it was one of the most important things that come out of Japan in the late '80s. It set the bar for quality of animation because it was shot at 60 frames per second. So it did have layering, as some animation does have, but it was shot at such a high frame rate for what was in the foreground that it looks incredibly and completely smooth. Well, I also think, I mean, if you look at animation in the United States in, in 1988 and earlier, there's nothing that touches the themes that Akira Correct. has in it. So like... It, I think it was probably groundbreaking also and just like what was in the in the film that you, you could have an animation that has like adult drama in it. This yeah. is not a kid's movie. Yeah, G.I. Joe's were all shooting lasers and <laughs> yeah. no one actually ever got hit. Yeah. Have you seen He-Man recently? It's like the Hanna-Barbera stuff. Oh, like, yeah. It's awful. It's, it's gnarly, so dude. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of repeat. It, it, American animation was cheap. Yes. Like, and I can't say that like enough. Like say exact same frame, uh, like shots of, reverse hallway runs to make it look like they're going down multiple hallways. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I watched a lot of Ninja Turtles and I caught when Leonardo's voice came out of Raphael. I was like, that's mm. not the right thing because they, they don't have the money to do it or they're, yeah, they just don't have the money to they do it. They don't want to do it, it over. But, so, but boy, this quality in this movie. Oh it, my God. It took a long time to make because of it, it was did. all hand drawn, all hand painted. It was based on a manga that only had like one issue. So it wasn't a complete story. They actually completed the manga after the movie came out. Oh, Which so is like bizarre. a kind of like a Game of Thrones thing where it starts in one media and then yep. a movie comes together and then the original media finishes. Okay. So the um, uh, I just the, wanted to say Akira means bright, intelligent, clear in Japanese. Oh, it nice. all makes sense now. Oh, it does. From the use of perspective, the fact that they had more than 300 colors out of the standard 256 color palette that they normally would use, they use additional colors. And if you've ever seen the movie or any of the influences that it has it it uses as we mentioned an approach to drawing and visualization that had never been done this like blew disney out of the water it's like they had nothing like this it was all. gorgeous I, like a disney will have like cells with the main character uh you know goofy jumping around or whatever and then like these these static backgrounds that that the characters are kind of acting over with if, if you remember 
when you were in school, you had these like overhead projectors with like the transparent sheets. Now, my understanding is animation works a bit like that. There's all yes. these like cells that are overlaid and you like have your character moving with, with a, yeah. a different layer underneath. Akira, it's like everything had the level of detail. Everything had the same attention and artistry. Right. They animated the backgrounds yeah. in addition to the foreground main characters. Yeah. And, and the background it, had perspective. It had forced perspective on any shot. Every every single shot, except for when there was overhead. Well, like one of the old Dutch but master then, paintings with a yeah. perspective of like build square buildings having... They're you know, elongated. A vanishing point. Yep. Yeah. Everything everything in this film had a vanishing point. And that's what forced perspective is. So the movie starts and does flashbacks to like 1980s. There's a nuclear event, quote unquote, that they claim is a war, but really it was the idiot Japanese government experimenting and doing things they shouldn't do with And they blew up and Tokyo. They, they and blew up Tokyo. In, in twenty nineteen. Neo Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. Or do they make it Neo Tokyo after the explosion? That was after the explosion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, so the movie then takes place thirty years later. Yeah. I, and I, they're gonna blow up Neo Tokyo again. Yes. Neo Square Tokyo. Yes. I just want to say like the explosion was the first point that the sound really impressed me. Like I for a while and I know voice recording in the eighties was I mean, the voice acting was, and this was good, but there was a lot of just shouting and yeah. people kind of one noting a little bit. But then the sound design, when like there's no noise, because you're watching this white ball just envelope the city, yeah. like a classic nuclear war blast. Or later when uh, Tetsuo is having like massive headaches and the sound drops out, except for him like groaning or something. Like I, yeah. I mentioned it, and Brian's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like absolutely on purpose. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, they're they're trying very much to to go from a very loud space to a very quiet space so you can feel and be with that character yeah yeah in their internal experience and and there's there's a lot of music in this but it's not wall-to-wall and the the music drops out and then it's just light sound effects that are sometimes just singular or louder than they ever possibly would be. Lots of revving engines, lots of motorcycles in the first part of it. Because that's, it's motorcycle gangs in Tokyo and Neo Tokyo. Neo Tokyo. Good catch. (laughs) So the, the, thank God the the, podcast is safe. The staging of the story is so there's a lot of unemployment. People are unhappy. There's protests going on and the government military kind of cracks down on people pretty hard. And there's a, a panel of, you know, people who are in charge and and they have ulterior motives for a lot of stuff. They hide stuff from the public, of course. <clears throat> and the military had done these experiments and continues to use the people who they experimented on to their advantage. There, there was a like a long time in media where th- there was kind of this this um, classic setup of like uh, you know military experimentation or you know mil- like if you think of like Ender's Game. Or this kind of this vague suspicion of like military research and and what they might do to like a private citizen, and and I don't know if it's this like you know pacifism or kind of the you know the post World War II era that had this sort of you know pushback against um, you know military research. But I was thinking about like how how is this similar or different to Ender's Game or you know those types of uh, movies you know where where you get somebody that's you know like bionically engineered mm. or somehow improved you know Wolverine. Maybe it was another example. Wasn't he a research experiment? Yeah, yes. dude. That uh, Canada messed him up bad. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the that, fearsome Canadian, Canadian military. Yeah, dude. That's who it is. That's, the, that's who did it. Yeah. Well, but I, I would like to postulate briefly mm. that this this film is actually the the fear of technology from 
cultural perspective of the only people who have ever had a nuclear bomb dropped upon ah. them. And this film came out, what, 1982? 88. 88, yeah. 88. So 35, 40 years after the bomb had been dropped on Japan. Right. And this movie starts with a mushroom cloud. Right. And the bulk of the movie takes place about 30 years later. So it's it's the the cultural fear of technology and the government playing with technology mm-hmm. and fear that it's all going to happen again. Uh, it's like fear of technology, but maybe also fear of militarization. Uh, like Japan had a pacifist constitution during this whole time. Right, yeah. Um, and, uh, Which kinda, you know, you know, was in reaction to the Bushido <clears throat> Code right. that led them into World War II right. and... The ultimate outcome for the their people. Then right. getting two bombs dropped on them. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. didn't end well. Not only was this the first feature-length film distributed to America from Japan, that was an animation. In Japan, it also it did amazing there. It didn't do so well here. It had a limited theatrical release, and then it kind of went to, to video. I saw it in the early 90s on VHS cassette. One of the guys I served in the military with collected animation and so he had all of these tapes we'd watch you know Maycross and all of the the old school 80s era you know fighting robot kind of stuff which was still static background and then just a couple of foreground movements with the characters and the action that happens and it was really limited in color the explosions were like a single color you know it's right. like nothing fancy nothing like this well and so. and so in 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 that era animation was done a single cell of animation would take two or three, maybe four frames of film. So the uh, 35 millimeter and 70 millimeter film moves at 24 frames a second. So you would only redraw the character's movements maybe eight times per second. Mm. And this film was doing it at least one movement per, per frame. Th- those movements were really, really fluid. And, and I mean, Dan and I can discuss this later, but Dan looked up something that said they were doing 60 frames a second. Yeah, it was, which is insane. Well, with they, they would have had to have projectors up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. Anyway, the the, the transition between (laughs) the transition of having that many, that much information, each frame having its own movement versus you're skipping a couple and it's jagged. I mean, that's how you cheat in animation. That's why you can pump out really cheap stick figure kind of animation like South Park and stuff like that like the next day. Cause it's not hard when you're, you're not having to do a complete fluid movement, but I mean, today they use computers Back then it was hand drawn. But not only that, not only like all that, but then when you're doing that drawing, like the biomechanics make sense. Like you, you see a character moving or walking. It's or getting, much more fluid. It's, they it's are, fluid. It's not jumpy to the human eye. But, but it's not jumpy. But then also like if you think of like the, the, the skeletal structure of that character, the way they move in that universe makes sense. Somebody gets into a motorcycle accident and the way their body flops around afterwards physiologically makes sense uh and so it's like not just how are you making that animation smooth it's also like you know the in-universe physics of what's going to happen to that body that also like somebody was really thinking carefully about like well okay here they hit the asphalt here and then they you know slam into this column here 
you know, what's the, you know, the, the, the vector and like the force and like with the, the, the muscles and skeletal structure that that character has. And how far are they going to go when they hit it? Yeah. How far are they going to go when they hit it? It looked looked really well thought out. You guys are focusing on the wrong body. We need to be talking about the giant gooey, (laughs) the blob, the mega baby. Okay. The the mega baby that, cause that, like that's where it it feels like, it feels like that's where they put. Ninety yes. percent of like they made sure that looked good because it had little tendrils coming out. It was, it was gross. I think it. it I had a nightmare the next night. Like it really <laughs> stuck sat with me how visually upsetting it was. It's such a beautiful movie. Did, did it? Re- but it's so. It's just. It's unnerving. Did the demon remind you of any of the demons in the Miyazaki films? Like the a little the bit. Oni, like so. I think like in the Western you know cultural canon we think of demons as being from this like catholic tradition of like it's got you know like little horns and a red face and a pitchfork and you know like like that's you know kind of classical western demon but like in this movie that demon was this like mass of like growth and body i almost thought like like the uh, the hut on steroids well what it made me think of was when at the end of 2001 a space odyssey when he like he speed evolves right like he evolves into this like space baby and it made me think of that like oh he this is uh, this is this kid evolving this is what the next step of evolution looks like and it's horrifying yeah. right so so the, the the what they had done was they were experimenting with exposing children to radiation and things that would then cause them to accelerate and, and release, powers. Release, po- release parts of their brain that weren't being used. Telekinesis, telekinetic super so they can, you know, yeah. all of those things. Like I, I can project my thoughts into your mind or I can tell you something at a distance or I can tell, I can teleport you from here to there. I can tell the future. I can tell the future. Before it one of them, one of them. And I was like sitting here going, where's Tom Cruise? He's going to run into there. That scene at some <laughs> point, because they're telling the future they're precogging. And that's what they even called it. In the film, they called it precogging. I don't I remember was like, that. I was, oh my god, they did. They really said. I believe yeah. you. I just man, this movie's amazing. <laughs> so, so what happens is, is one of them escapes. One of the the children that had been experimented on that was a result of the explosion. They stayed children, which is super creepy. They're thirty year old little children, but they look like old men. They look like old, old lady. They look they they've aged, but their White bodies hair, haven't gotten blue, bigger. Blue skin. Yep. And so one of them is out. Creepy. Around town, he escaped, and there's people that want to <laughs> free them. It's, the way he said it, it's like he's just Tom Catting around. Yeah, he's, he's, he's strolling. Like Ferris Bueller's yeah. Day Off. Well, this, is, you know, <laughs> this is the one that can teleport. So it wasn't hard for him to get away from the mm-hmm. safe place that they were stored in, yeah. in this big office building. Mutants are going to use their powers. Yeah, he is. And so he's out there, and he and the reason that there's a release of energy within Kaneda and Tetsuo were chasing these this other biker gang. And the one clowns, of them, I yeah, think? the clowns. And he he literally runs into him, and he doesn't take any injury because he's like, I'm going to protect myself. Right. But the poor guy that hits him then is All exposed to up. that energy, yeah. and at a moment where his body is, you know, inter- interfacing in a way that it caused their his energy then to be released. So without being well, for one, they were using children because they're easy to control and manipulate. You can convince them to do things, whereas an adult, not so easy. You've already made up your choice. You've already made up. And they your got mind. the worst of both worlds. A, a rambunctious fourteen-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the whole. That's the storyline right there. Is you have someone who's given an opportunity to make a choice to control the energy and the thing within them. 
do it for good and you can control it. If you do it for evil or you just mis, you misuse it, it will, you will lose control. Right. A- absolute power happens. corrupts. Absolutely. And that's is, exactly is ex- what, and that's happening. what the blob thing is, is his body no longer can control itself. So it has all this pent right. up he, energy. He's using the power and yeah. he can't control he's, it. He's so pulling the power it in, overtakes his personality. Correct. The cosmic energy comes in and he just explodes and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, you know, when they, when they take him back down to size because Akira, who had achieved what you would call, as the Buddhists say, in total enlightenment and turned into energy. There was just a little bits and pieces of his skeletal remains left, and he comes out of that. He's still there. He's just not interacting with people. He says, hey, you need to, we need to, to take you away from here because you're going to you know, kill everyone and everything, which basically they do create a giant other big explosion with this release of energy. And it's just like he shrinks down into nothing. He goes to join the universe, basically. That's a totally plot that, spoiler, but that's how it well, ends. That was kind of the 2001 Space Odyssey baby moment. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, yeah, they're on a different, they exist in a different level right now. Like, they're space babies out there. They've gone to a different place. <laughs> but but I, I would say a lot of the mo- watching this movie is just watching and experiencing the film. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not a. I wouldn't say it's a complex plot no. driven no. story. No. no, it's easy. But to, it is beautiful, especially if you're an animation fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. If, if you can if you like if you've seen any sort of Japanese animation, which most people today have at least some exposure to them. Well shoot, a lot of American it. studios are just doing that style. Avatar the Last Airbender, I think, yeah. was animated in America, but they basically did the the studio. They also uh I think Titmouse, maybe? Because they also did a uh the Legend of Vox Machina. Which is it's American animation, but heavily influenced by anime with the exaggerated faces, just the the smooth action scenes. I, well, I think Miyazaki films have wide currency too. A lot of people oh, have yeah, seen yeah, at yeah. least you know yeah. one or two of them, and you know the yeah. the, the warmth and heart that, that those movies have. So there was a lot of use of vibrant color. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 I love that the uh, the lights on the motorcycles would like stay there. Yeah, yeah. that was really cool. Ray that was a really cool effect. Kind of like. Yeah. I really appreciated that there were very dark scenes that still had enough light on the scenery that you could tell what was going on. I would agree that some of the the vocalization was challenging in some places. This was dubbed American dubbed or English dubbed speak American by the studio that released it. (laughs) So if it's going to be done by somebody, it's going to be done by the people who release it. So they at least have knowledge of how it should sound and what it should be. Oh, yeah. It's authoritative, yeah. I I originally saw it in the Japanese with subtitles. In the original Japanese. In original, yeah. So if you go out looking for this movie, you're going to find like a 25th anniversary edition that's like 4K. That's what we watched. So it was like really clean colors. The old version of it that I had was like a VHS rip of the original Japanese with subtitles, and it looked like crap. It was like, this did not age well. Well, on the voice acting thing, uh, I came across this trivia. This was one of the first Japanese anime films to have the characters' voices recorded before they were animated. This is typical in U.S. animation, but in Japan, they usually do uh, the animation first, Hmm. and they just match to that. Yeah. yeah, I was. I always thought it was the the voice was done first, and then they would like change the animation to match the the dialogue. And you know, apparently, it's one of the first ones for right, Japan. Yeah, because yeah. when when you speak, your your mouth makes a oval when you say O's. Right. Yeah. Or you know, different shapes yeah, for different yeah. sounds. Getting back to the biomechanics, it, that it opens sense. and yeah. closes at different times. Yeah, okay. and it didn't. You, there was no real like, oh, that language. You heard stuff, but their mouths weren't moving. Uh-huh. That didn't happen. Everything was pretty synced up really well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though they they only made one film, it's like they they matched it up, so it it, it didn't look out of place. 
listening to it in in another language. Pretty impressive. I, I want to comment on like how much in this movie is universal. Like you know the, the stuff about being a teenager, I think translates really well. Like across yeah. the cultural divide, dystopian futures. We, we got a, a lot of that. I think on our mind at the moment. Re- uh, religious zealots or people who they deep belief against the norm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fear of uh, corrupt politicians, mm-hmm. that's yeah, universal, very much. And psychic then, children, them, them being greedy and <laughs> and psychic children, because that's and, you know, and motorcycle gangs, yeah, motorcycle yes. gangs, yeah. and goo babies, <laughs> and lots of lots of interesting things happening in bars. Because if you've ever oh, been yeah. to a Japanese bar, it's like two it's bar scenes. Yeah, there's <laughs> literally it's the same people in the same bar every time. You don't go to different bars. You don't bar hop. You you pick a place and that's your place. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The relationship between the bartender and the kids, you know, they're high school kids, but they certainly don't look like high school kids that I recognize. They looked like a little older than that, but because you know, they've been held back. Correct. And they they're all <laughs> using drugs and they're all, you know, popping pills. And I don't I didn't really see him drinking any alcohol, but there you know, was that, alcohol there. There was alcohol there. But the way that they drive, the recklessness that they drive on like their a motorcycles. Teenager. Like a t- yes, absolutely. Yep. And you know, the the whole thing That's with Invincible. Wasn't there like motorcycle gang movies in like New York or LA? That came out back in the like seventies, early eighties. Well, seventies. There was the Warriors, which was oh, just movies. a gang, gang. But the gang movie's gang. so good. But but that wasn't necessarily motorcycle gangs. Um, when did Easy Rider come out? That wasn't a gang, but it was two guys on motorcycles. That was yeah. sixty eight. Yeah. Uh, Hell's so, Angels. When were they big? Not I, movies, just as that a, was early seventies. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I'm just trying to think cultural influences that. on like why would there? Oh, and I, you know, in Japan they they do have and there still are like car gangs and motorcycle gangs, but they're not bad gangs. They're just clubs. They, I guess they've learned yeah, the lesson I mean, not it, to break it, the law. It kind of predates the Fast and Furious kind of yeah sort of feel. Yeah, they're not wanting to break the law, but they do because it's convenient. Well, it, like I mean, they're they're bored kids at a as at a at a, a, a school for vocational work, a I vocational think. school, yeah. learning vocational no. school like where they, cars nobody and, has any belief in the in the kids, and they're yeah. bored, yeah. so they're they're going out and uh, beating up other other motorcycle kids. Well, yeah, it's like, I, I mean, the, the kids have all of them have stuff going on in their lives too. It's like yeah. the, the, they they each have their their own different situation. Uh, Tetsuo is very clearly is kind of in uh, his friend's shadow. Um, you know, there's a little bit of like it's friendship, but there's a bit of rivalry in there too. You know, yeah, yeah they, they, there's some good flashbacks when when they're like they're both orphans and one's yeah. looking out for the other. And, yeah, yeah. You know it, and and it's like you never let me, you know, be myself because you always looked out for me. You yeah, never you never let, let me, let me take up. care of myself. You always yeah. come in and steal my victory. Blah blah. blah. Right. Yeah, but yeah, but they, those those you have to pay attention with this movie though. Like it rewards the work. But there are some, um, I think, you know, common signals a movie will give, like a Western movie, to say, oh, a flashback is incoming. Or, you know, you get this, like, montage or that, you know, will show, you know, a lot of time has passed. Here, it feels like you'd be going along in the story and then all of a sudden it's like, you're in a flashback. And if you're not paying attention. It really know. is that fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. They just flood, Possibly yeah. with that sound, actually, too. Yeah, yeah. it does. That it does flip noise. around a bit like that. But, you know. I, I think there's a lot of really interesting things about the film. I've loved it for a very long time. I appreciate the fact my friends are willing to sit and watch it with me. Yeah, and I enjoyed some, it. I enjoyed and, it. And it drink some amazing Asian beers. Yeah. So we got, there's a beer Speaking from. Speaking of beers. <laughs> well, there's a beer, a beer from Japan. And then there's like, uh, like all the knockoff movies. There's a one that's also made in Hong Kong that, uh, 
you know, probably is very close to original somewhere else from yeah. a different, uh, somewhere that's not the Hong Kong special administrative region. Kong yes. Hong? I don't Hong know. Kong. Who knows? Did I say Kong Kong? I no, said Hong. I said Kong Hong saying it's similar, but it's different. Oh, yeah. Kong, Kong Hong City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Kong Hong City. <laughs> I love Hong Kong. Blake's doing it. a bit. Yes, also he is. So, I was fooled. So tell but, us about uh, the beer, Dan. So this is the point in the podcast we're going to start talking about the beer. We may go back to talking about the movie a little bit as it relates to these nope, we're done forever. wonderful, <laughs> wonderful beers that we had. And I say wonderful a lot on the podcast because I have that's my catchphrase. Catchphrase. Everyone's just deadpan. I was trying to think of, a, of what mine could be. I, that would I, be a fun self-deprecation joke. Ter- terrific. Yeah. We had Pay attention to me. <laughs> two beers. One was a premium red ale called Ichigo, and the other one, as as previously mentioned, is a Hong Kong pale ale brewed with mandarin and bergamot zest. So one tasted a lot like tea, and the other one tasted a lot like also tea, but more herbal in, in ways. Ichigo red ale. So this is actually brewed in Japan in Nagata. With two eyes, N I I G A T A, and both of these beers were purchased here locally in Portland at John's Marketplace in Southeast. Thank you, John's Marketplace. Even though you're not a sponsor, we love your beer selection. So to you could out, be a sponsor. You could be our give sponsor. us your money. Free beer. I couldn't find any give IBUs. Dan on your money. This. I couldn't find the IBUs. It's six percent ABV, so standard for like an IPA or standard American red ale. Uh, it poured out clear, mm-hmm. uh, really ruby red, brownish highlights. Yeah, very kind of low really carbonation, pretty. kind of creamy colored head. Uh, and it stuck around if you did pour it into a glass. Um, the aromatics were really caramel sweet and kind of cocoa powder almost. I mean, that was part of the. I'm picking up a lot of extra flavors and hints of fruity esters mm-hmm. and things that don't necessarily. F- go with a standard IPA or a red ale. So this has some, I don't know if they're adjuncts or what they put into it, but it had a lot of extra flavors that a standard just regular old red ale wouldn't have. Rich malty really, really left a good impression in the mouthfeel and uh, did get a little oily on the back after mm-hmm. you drank it a little bit. As it warmed up, it didn't really change flavor that much as far as I remember, but gentlemen, the floor is yours. Thoughts on this I, beer? I'm trying to re- so, uh, listener. Just full disclosure: we didn't we didn't drink this beer earlier today, so we, we have got some palate memory that we're working with here. But oh no, the curtain fell down. I have <laughs> I have notes. So, so the, uh, on this first red ale, the Ichigo. Yes. Uh, it it had kind of a, a citrus flavor, right. kind of grapefruit or kumquat. Aaron had cum, mentioned, yeah, kumquat. I, like there Wh- was which a, not all of our listeners would have had before. But, well, uh, so, but, but kind like, of grapefruit. If you think of like yeah, grapefruit, um, kind of a little more bitter citrus, a little more bitter, a less, a little less, a little less tart. Um, but yeah, there was some of that, and I couldn't remember if this is the one that had like a little bit of like plum wine. No, uh, that that or, was the second one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Second okay. One. But this this definitely does have some interesting flavor profiles that you're not going to get. I mean, it doesn't say what it's been brewed with. I it, I couldn't find anything online saying this is exactly adjuncts or what additionally they put into it. So I don't know what what grains they used. I'm not sure what hops they used. But it's a really damn good beer. I, yeah. I'm Are glad you? that I selected it. It was yeah, really yeah. and enjoyable. there is a cute goat on the can. Yes, there's there's a couple oh. of birds on one side and a goat on the other. Are you not able to these find are, it because it's a cranes. Japanese beer, or should we be worried we just drank something you can't find the ingredients for? <laughs> I can't find the ingredients for it. And and we'll also note that this can is a standard Japanese oil can design and not an, a standard uh, American Did small Did we drink can. motor oil, Dan? Did you make us drink delicious motor oil? Well, no, I mean, so if you, I, when I was buying it, I was like, hey, this doesn't it's fit on the fork. Can top. Style. It's a different can style. It's a different can style. Japanese can style. The top is is larger. That it, that is really cool. I remember liking it. I don't, I don't have the same sophisticated palate or memory 
or the notes in front of have. me. I have notes in front of me, so I cheat. I mean, that's not what podcasting is about, Dan. It's about what's in your heart. It's about the. It's like jazz. It's about the <sighs> words you don't say. I, I I think that this this beer could have used a little bit more bitterness on the back because it flattened out. I think from what I wrote down, it's like fruit fluff. The fruity esters and flavors sit on the mid really well, and then the bitterness on the back kind of drops off, but it's dry. It was very, very pleasant, though. Yeah. I remember I liked it a lot. I do remember that, um, y- even if I can't remember the exact flavor profile. I will say it's d- d- distinct. Uh, it, it is, uh, mm-hmm. like Dan, as you were saying, there's there's some flavor elements that are not common to red ales that you, that you have from the United States or, or maybe, you know, European red ales. But I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it, it seemed to match some of the complexity of, you know, what's going on in Neo-Tokyo. Um, I wouldn't say that it was like, you know, dark, dystopian, you know, that kind of beer. But I do think the the different elements of, uh, you know, it's a hard life for these kids in this motorcycle gang. And they, they need something right. refreshing. It's, and a, it's, a, nice it's beer. a complex beer for a complex film. Yes. Yeah. Thank Definitely. you. Brian, that's what I, I was circling around that. I yeah, couldn't you quite were get getting there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we don't have 20 more minutes. So. No. We don't. <laughs> so any last thoughts on this one? We can move on to the second one. It's good beer. This isn't about beer, but I... I just came across this trivia. Do you guys know what the name Tetsuo means? Like no. what it literally means? Uh, mm-hmm. Motorcycle pistons, engine no. pistons. No. no. Aaron's on the right track, though, with the, the, the metal. Exhaust. No. <laughs> metal. <laughs> Iron Man. It literally oh. means Iron Man in Japanese, the foreshadowing of the indestructible powers and metallic body parts he ultimately acquires. Although that's more like Cable or Bionic Commando, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Basically no, like right no, It's more like Ozzy except, Osbourne. Except he uses a laser. He doesn't use metal. He did turn into a crazy train. Oh, <laughs> his hand becomes the the, the robot parts, correct? And oh, which yeah, then yeah. become the whole thing. But anyway, so the second beer we had is called Neon City Hong Kong Pale Ale with Mandarin and Bergamot Zest. So yeah. this is Young Master's Ale. I this can's awesome. I, I'd really thought about, hey, do I just want to grab an Asahi or or Sapporo or something that's also from Japan that's available everywhere, right? Or just find something off the shelf. That, and and this is a short short boy can total. You know, standard size. It's got great kanji on it. Product of Hong Kong. So yes, this is not a Japanese beer, but the cover of it has Young Masters and it's got some kanji and And then it's red pants. Yeah. And it says Neon City. And I'm like, that's this screamed at me. I was like, this is really looking a lot like the movie. It's our main character's pants. Yeah, it is. And I I didn't really read the fine print when I bought it. I was like, oh, it's just let's just buy that one. I believe and it's elegant, zesty, and balanced. Yes, it is. So this is 5.2% alcohol, 35 IBU. It is a pale ale that is got like mandarin peel and bergamot. I was trying to look up like what is bergamot? Like it's, it's a root. It's a root. Yep. And so it uses zest. So it uses mm-hmm. a little pieces of that. It's brewed with that. And that's interesting. Gonna, that's, it, this tastes like tea a little bit and it it has that that orange zestiness that isn't sweet it's more like that bitter pithiness that you can get from orange peel Mm -hmm. and this is a very bright ale from when i'm when i'm tasting it there's a lot of that orange peel kind of if you get like that 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 oil that comes out of orange peel there's a a bit of that kind of if you try to get a word besides zest I was trying to think of a word that was like, uh, like uh, aside from like aspiration, you know, like, um, that, like a, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a ooh, that's a tough one. Oil, <laughs> it's yeah, like whatever. Right, the essential right. Oil. We'll edit that out. We'll, uh, no, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So this no more poured, this we we actually had like we said that Aaron didn't get to this watching the movie, so we had a can. We just sampled it uh, as we started the podcast, and so you know, a light, you know, kind of 
thin foamy head, very white, uh, some lacing that dropped out really fast. The um, nose aromatics are really zesty, uh, a lot of citrus zest, and then the bergamot um, smells a little sour orange almost. It, it has that kind of like acidic sourness on mm-hmm. the nose, mm-hmm. and the taste kind of reflects that also. Bready malts and kind of floral up front, and then it kind of sits a little bit on the back to like tropical vibe. Uh, but the zest continues, and it's dry on the back. The zest and the dryness linger a bit. So you do know that you just drank something. I really, really like this beer a lot, as well as the Ichigo, because they're so different. Mm-hmm. We don't find beers like this in American breweries very That's true. often. This is so bright. It is so bright on the nose. It's so light. Um, it's got you know so much of those kind of floral and citric aromatics to it. Uh, and there's an intensity to that, like it, you know, you smell in the glass and like, it's not subtle. It, I mean, it, I should say that it, there is some subtlety in, in like different things that you smell in there, but like, you, you're not going to not notice the smell. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> what I've got to say that the taster we had tonight, I enjoyed far more than drinking it out of the can mm. with the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know whether it's the, the fact that. I, I poured it into a, a glass and allowed it to breathe a little bit tonight. Or if it was that I had it right next to the Ichigo and it on, on the night we watched this movie, it felt it tasted a lot more bitter than the ich, Ichigo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm not a big fan of bitterness in my beers. So, yeah. but tonight I really enjoyed it. I, I, I think I would have enjoyed this with a, actually watching Akira. Had had this one first. Maybe had this one first, yeah. Yeah, and I just pay. I didn't have in mind which one we were going to do first. I just grabbed whatever out of the, out of the fridge. Out yeah, of the beer fridge. Yeah, well, like, and, and we're going to start. And, and you hadn't had these before, so you had <laughs> right. no idea just from the description so, what to have first. So I, if we were going to suggest to somebody for this movie, as it's really complex, and you're probably not going to be able, unless you're here in Portland and can go to John's Marketplace, you are probably not going to find these because these are like kind of rare imported beers. Right. You know, if you were going to pick a foreign beer, you know, you can go with your standard lager as long as it's not going to distract you from the film. But if you can find something that's complex that has like tea elements or kind of zestiness like this one, I think it would go really well because I think it it accentuated what was happening on the screen pretty well. Mm-hmm. It didn't mm-hmm. distract me, but it accentuated. It was like, oh, wow, there's a lot, a lot going on in my mouth and a lot visually going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that? I just remembered how that giant laser just blasted Tetsuo. Like whole whole board. That's why he lost his arm. Yes. This movie this movie slaps. <laughs> oh, we we should mention that this movie is not for kids. Yes. It's yeah. an it's so film, gnarly, but not for kids. I feel like me mentioning I had nightmares from it was enough to tell well, people. Well, uh, th- most teenagers of, over the age of fourteen have seen worse than this. Yeah. yeah. So well, there, there's a lot okay, of a lot of violence. There is some pretty reprehensible sexual content. Yes. Right. There is some. There is some. Uh, uh, assaulting going on in one of the in one of the beginning scenes, right? And then, that's not very comfortable. And then there's the body horror. Yes, we, I, I think what we said that night. Uh, it was like this: what a, what a great movie, but man, it's so messed up. Or maybe it was the other way around. Man, this movie is so messed up, but what a great movie. Yeah, but yeah, I think both yeah. work. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some definite. I guess you would say if you're a fan, like as mentioned, if you're a fan of animation, definitely check it out. If you haven't seen it, if you have seen it, but you haven't watched it in a long time, it's out there. You can find it on some streaming services or get yourself an old school DVD. If you like government conspiracy movies. Yes. Oh, if you haven't seen it, you've probably seen the uh, the bike slide stop that has been uh, done at least a million times, like 50 plus 
cartoon. But, There's a YouTube supercut of just movies that did it, including Teen Titans, uh, Amazing Adventure of Gumball, I think. But in all to some comedic w- degrees and some. But was this the serious. first one? I yeah, mean, was this, this is what inspired it. Really? Yeah. This movie uh, introduced a lot of Americans to anime. All right. Yeah. Like this was it was, it was the first theatrical that, that release. That slide in is just so cool. I, I I wonder like maybe Steve McQueen did a motorcycle slide like that, like that. and no, burned no, up his like leg. Not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because yeah, so it's he did one that's safer for to keep that face. <laughs> so again, interesting kind of sci-fi storyline. It's not super far-fetched. It's not so crazy that you couldn't think that could really happen. Yes, uh, towards the end it gets a little stupid, but. From an overall storyline, it's fairly linear. It's not. It's not crazy. It gives a little backstory. Not some, not hard to follow at all. It's not hard to yeah. follow. If you were to get it with in Japanese and then with subtitles, you'd still be able to follow along pretty easily. The dialogue does not go by very fast. Doable for those that do want to watch it in the original language with the plenty, subtitles. Plenty of action to keep you yes. entranced. Mm-hmm. And and there's it's interesting. I mean, they don't have to explain a lot of stuff. You can no. just figure it out on your own as it's going. Yeah, along. visual storytelling is very good in this film, mm-hmm. and the 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 art of the film is is worth watching. Anybody who's has any interest in animation, watch this film. Cause I, I, agree. I it, agree. It it broke a lot of new ground. Yeah, especially for subject matter. Never, so, oh, you can put that on the screen. So it sounds like we are uh, like eight eight thumbs up. Eight thumbs up. Eight and, thumbs up. And again, find well, one mutating goo thumb and one robot yes, thumb. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. That's so, all. You know, and Brian and, and, and so this, is, this is about an hour and a half, and you definitely want to. You know, we only did two beers, so but we paced like, them out. And it they feels up like two hours, dark. but not in a bad way. Yeah. So there's a lot some, going on. Yeah. You, you need to hydrate. Or you're going to dehydrate and become a space baby with other space babies. Yes. And Which isn't necessarily good, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, you have to be careful. It, that you dehydrate in space. Yeah. You do it really fast. Yeah, that sounds right. Because <laughs> there's, no, there's no gravity, and it just sucks out of you. The water goes... It yep. goes into ice crystals. It becomes yes. stars. <laughs> you become stars, yes. So, uh, as always, the opinions expressed during the taping of this recording are those of the hosts. And, you know, thanks for hanging in there, everybody. And check out this film and find some good beers to drink with it. And... I really appreciate the fact that we can be exposed to some great classic animation once in a while. This is Brian <laughs> signing off. <laughs> Tattoo! <all! laughs> this is Blake, the new motorcycle gang leader of North Portland uh, Bikers, signing off. This is Aaron telling you keep your motorcycle gang close and your motorcycle gang enemies closer. Thanks for listening. I'm going to hit you with a crowbar. Bam. There you go. All right. Take care, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>